And then after four, six, 12 months comes along, you realize that the person that you've become is not the person who you are. And then you begin to resent the partner that you're with. Mm. But it's not really, it's not their fault. It's you chose to lose yourself because you were infatuated with that individual. If you're authentic to who you are, you don't have to bend to who you are. You don't have to have the other bend person bend to who they are. You can actually be authentic to each other and love each other for who you are. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Pursuit. I'm your host, Ben Stangle. So excited to have you here today for another episode. And at The Pursuit, as you know, here at the show, we're all in the pursuit of helping you create your best body, mind, spirit, and life. And today's guest is none other than Dr. Alok Trevetti. I've just been getting to know Dr. Alok. We got connected through Steve Siebold, as many of you listen to and know of Steve. Um, but let me tell you a bit about Dr. Alok. He's a media personality. He's an expert in health, human behavior, performance, He's been studying the brain and for over, I think over 27 years now, neuroscience, which I'm so excited to talk a bit about that stuff. But ultimately, and what, what he's done is he's really created and or pardon me, developed the science behind success and fulfillment. And so I now, I know in his company, he spends time helping sales and leadership teams, elite entrepreneurs. I saw you work with athletes as well, but really helping them rewire their brains so you can get to the root cause in transforming your life in whatever areas you want to succeed in. So Dr. Alok, so excited to have you. Thanks for your time. Oh, Ben, thanks for having me. This is going to be great. I appreciate it. I'm I'm looking forward to it. So I, I know one of the things you teach is the science of success and fulfillment. And I know everybody listening is all about success and fulfillment. They want more of that. I think a lot of us start out, which I know this was your journey reading about it, but a lot of us start out chasing success per se, and then missing the other component. And from what I was reading, you had built one of the top medical clinics. Tell us a bit of that story, actually, if you don't mind. Well, I wrote the book called Chasing Success for that reason, because that's why I wrote it, because that's what we do. As, as people, we go out and we chase this idea of success, and really it, becomes, it comes from an inadequacy in ourselves. Right? Mm-hmm. As children, we feel inadequate to our mothers, our fathers, our teachers, our preachers, the people who we think that we know, and we now don't feel fulfilled and whole on our own. So we think that we have to validate ourselves and go get it from the outside. And we have to go get it from the outside, which is going to only make us feel better, which is going to make our dopamine rise for a short period of time mm-hmm. for that sudden hit that you get, but then all of a sudden you realize that it's fleeting and it's non-lasting and you lose it, right? And I, and I did the same thing. I built a huge practice in the healthcare space and seeing over 1,250 patient visits a week by myself. Wow. Um, just, it was, it was an organizational machine, but I was making money. You know, I was 26 years old and I was making like a couple, couple hundred thousand dollars a month. And that's, that's a lot of money for a 26-year-old kid. And, and it, you know, I wasn't doing crypto. We didn't have crypto back then. This is like- right hard earned money. And I came from a, a blue, uh, you know, blue, uh, what's it called? Collar, blue collar, blue collar, blue collar. I was thinking blue grass. Yeah. I just came from Tennessee <laughs> this weekend. So I'm glad this in my head. Um, and we literally have been just, you know, that was a lot of money for me and I had to figure out how to adapt and how to change. And, and then what I realized is, you know, as, as late Bob Proctor, who, who had a chance to get to know in my years and, and connect with always said is that money makes you more of who you are. Mm. is if you're a jerk, it makes you more of a jerk. If you're a great human being, it makes you more of a great human being. And I think at that time, I was a jerk, <laughs> mm. to be very true with you. I think I was a jerk, and it made me more of a jerk until I had to learn my lessons and learn that it wasn't about the money. It was about who I was and, and what I really wanted to do and who I really wanted to be. And that took me down the path to really understand how the brain works and how I work and truly get honor who I was in that process. When I got it, 
then life starts to open up. But I think we, most of us are taught to, to chase the things in a backwards momentum of thinking that success is going to bring us fulfillment, but it's not. It's actually fulfillment that brings us success. Mm. I love that. Actually, on the note of Bob, one of my favorite books is his book, It's Not About the Money. Mm-hmm. Um, just such a good one. So I, I got a question for you on that. I mean, you came to that point where you realized, hold on a sec, this isn't giving me what I'm actually looking for. I, I know a lot of people are probably still at that point uh, of chasing success, thinking that if I had the money, if I had the success, then I would have it. So immediately, what's one thing they could shift in their their paradigm, their thinking to say, hey, hold on a sec? Well, I think there's a lot you could shift. I think first thing you got to realize is, you know, I always say that the first thing you got to do is the most important thing people need to understand is their true identity. And this is not just a, an airy-fairy uh, psychological term. There's a science to an identity. Once you understand what your values are, your true values are, and you understand what your identity is, and you understand the two, then you know why you do what you do. I, I met with a leader in, a, in another financial services organization one time, and I took him from basically, you know, he was making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, which is great money. Mm-hmm. And he, I said to him, I said, you don't understand why you do what you do. And he said, what do you mean? I said, you're doing things to chase money, but it's not about chasing money. I said, everyone's out there to teach you how to think, right? You've got lots of great books and lots of great authors right behind you. And they're all great mm-hmm. at what they do, but they're teaching you how other people think. And I have no disrespect to that. I stand on the shoulders of them. They're brilliant. Robin, I see Brendan and I see, mm-hmm. you know, T. Harv Ecker there. They're all fantastic, right? And mm-hmm. all the other books you have there, they're all great. However, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I don't teach you how other people think. I teach you why you think the way that you do. Because when you understand why you think the way that you do, then you're not going to try and be like somebody else. And when you can be who you are, then the mind-body connection actually becomes real and you move congruently towards what it is you're, you're going after versus trying to chase something that's not really yours authentically. Wow. I love that. I've uh, <laughs> never thought of it that way where everyone else is trying to teach you how to think rather than learning why you think the way that you do think. That's so good. Um, yeah. If we could jump into some of that stuff, maybe. I know we were talking beforehand about just some of the neuroscience, and I know uh, we we could chat about that for hours. But why don't we talk a little bit about, um, I guess, even for people to understand, maybe those those different aspects of brain when you talk about the three primary elements of brain. Can you expand on that a bit? Well, there's three primary, you know, I just use Paul McLean's model inside of it to talk about it. He used the amygdala, the limbic brain, and the prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. And the limbic brain, excuse me, the, the amygdala brain is the emotional. It's a reptile center. It's a lizard brain that we call it, right? And you're always responsive. You're always looking at things from a reactive standpoint. And you're looking at things and saying, you know what? You know, this response is going to create this, you know, this stimulus, excuse me, is going to create this response. And most people think that they're the ones choosing their responses. You're not. Mm. You know, your nervous system is already within 0.08 of a second. It's already dictating and determining the response before you even cognitively can think about it. Wow. So people think, oh, you know what? When you said, you called me a jerk, I thought about it and I responded differently. No, you didn't. It was a response, a trigger that happened from way back when that acted, you acted out in this fashion. Hmm. And so our amygdala determines kind of where we're going, either good or bad, right or wrong. We decipher that. And what it does, it paints this picture of extreme thinking in our brain, all or nones. And these all or none responses is what creates a lot of, you know, psychosomatic illnesses, and we create so polarized in our body. Hmm. Then you've got the limbic brain. This is the emotional center of the brain. This is really the, the center that's thinking and it's emotionally cognizant inside that. And you have the hypothalamus specifically inside of that that's reading and analyzing all the brain functions. And there, inside of there sits this area that determines your values. 
and your values, hmm. it, it helps you analyze who you really are. And when you understand what your values really are, you are congruent to that and you'll make better decisions for yourself. See, most people don't know their values and they're living in the amygdala and they're trying to chase success without realizing what it means to them. That's what every program I ever do. I say, instead of going, you know, what would success look like for you? Not for your leaders, not for your upline, not for your downline, not for your parents, your mother, your father, teacher, but what would it look like for you? And here's the thing people will tell me is that, oh, I think I know. But when I ask them really dig into it, Ben, mm. it's somebody else's answer. It's never their own. Mm. So it's like, okay, you're not being authentic to who you are. And we know authenticity actually has a very, very scientific meaning. They've, re they've measured this. And they've shown that authenticity is defined by something that you believe and when you speak it, it's true to you, right? So for example, I'll give you an example of it, right? Yeah. We've all been taught this idea of doing these positive affirmations. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you for majority of the population, they're not. They can sit there in the mirror and say, you know, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. But on the back, they're thinking, you know, I got this debt, I got this debt, I got mm -hmm. this debt, the credit card bill is collecting, they're calling me. And you have this brain bifurcation is what I call it. Okay. where your brain splits and realizes that it's not really authentically true. Mm -hmm. And the mind and body are trying to get you to be authentic, which is what leads us to the prefrontal cortex. Hmm. When we get to the prefrontal cortex, that's the executive center of the brain. Many authors have called that. It's the area of the brain that you think furthest from, furthest vision, clarity, and you have most direction from that space. Got it. Right. Yeah. Like I geeked out with you a little bit. I hope that was okay. That's awesome. I love that stuff. Um, I'm when you just talked about that, where you said the mind and the body, can you say that part again? They was it they want to be congruent? What was the phrase you used? The mind and body are, want to become congruent. Yeah. And when they're aligned and congruent to who they are, to the right. mind and body being, then you move in a congruent fashion towards what's authentic to you. Got and it. And you don't have those voices in your head telling you that, you know, you're not good enough. You're not bad enough. See, I, I say this all the time is that confidence is a symptom of authenticity. Interesting. Because we've got all these programs out there of people trying to be, you know, I'll teach you how to be more confident. I'll teach you how to be more confident. That's pseudo-confidence. Pseudo-confidence goes up and down and up and down. True confidence, it, it doesn't need it. It's when you're authentic to who you are, confidence becomes a byproduct of it. Wow. Uh, I guess that's why, too, when you say one thing and then you actually do it. So I, I'm going to do X and then I go and do it. There's such a great feeling is we're literally wired for that of to be congruent with what Absolutely. I say and what I do. I'll, yeah. you know, I'll give you an example of this to give you some context, right? Yeah. I, I'm a doctor, as, as you mentioned earlier, and mm -hmm. I spent many years in my practice. I built a large practice and everything, and I teach people about health. But here's the reality of it, right? And I, I would sit there and I'd smoke cigarettes. I'd drink on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And I was probably about 50 pounds overweight. Mm -hmm. and, but I was a really good doctor. I could give really good information. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't congruent and authentic to myself inside that time. Mm -hmm. And I was falsifying it to myself. Mm-hmm. And so I would sit and say, I'm healthy, but was I really healthy? Right? Mm -hmm. I had many, many times people, smokers will come and tell me, you know what? Well, I'm healthy. All I do is smoke. Yeah, that's probably not healthy. <laughs> like, that, that doesn't mean you're healthy. Like, like, but it wasn't until I actually started getting congruent to who I was right. and my training and my exercise and, and, no, and not smoking, not drinking, not doing any of these things and getting really authentic to who I was. That's when I started moving towards what it is I wanted. Right? Yeah. And, and the confidence comes when you live in your identity. When you're trying to live in somebody else's identity, you lose who you are and you lose your, yourself inside of it. Hmm. You know, relationships are, are stagnant. I'm going to take a tangent here if that's okay with you. Ben. Yeah, please. 
you know, relationships are known to do this, right? Husband, wives get together, boyfriend, girlfriend, you first start dating, you lose yourself in the other person. And then after four, six, 12 months comes along, you realize that the person that you've become is not the person who you are. And then you begin to resent the partner that you're with. Mm. But it's not really, it's not their fault. It's you chose to lose yourself because you were infatuated with that individual. If you're authentic to who you are, you don't have to bend to who you are. and You don't have to have the other bend person bend to who they are. You can actually be authentic to each other and love each other for who you are. Hmm. See, because the mind-body connection is really about becoming authentic, but loving the person that you really are. That's the game. Hmm. So question for you on that, on the note of identity. So how do you go from figuring out, A, who you really are, but then B, what if I want to redefine my identity? I want to hear your ideas on that. Yeah, there's a neurologic process. I take people through it. I do that all the time. Mm. You know, there, there's it's a system. It's a process. I can take people through it. Mm -hmm. I can't do it here. I need to know more information, everything. Sure. But yeah, you can take people through it and you can change your identity, change your values. You can change that structure. You can rewire it. Anything that can be wired one way can be rewired a different way. Mm. And so, you know, I have patients or not patients anymore, like clients that come to me from all over and they'll, they'll be holding on to stories and patterns in their brain and I'll rewire them or that no longer exists. It's, I call it the anti-therapy approach to, to living, <laughs> right? It's because therapy, you need years and years and years and they do amazing work. So I'm not taking away from them. Yeah. I've just created a different mousetrap and I've been able to, I can help people and rewire them. You know, people who've been losing money and going bankrupt, rewire them, athletes, you know. Um, I have a client right now, he's a billionaire mm. and he meets with me once a month, just spends a day with me. He's like, all right, what do I got in my head? I got to keep rewiring it, make sure that I'm, Staying congruent because they realize, here's the thing, right? Like, just like you, Ben, you realize that performers, high level performers want the mental edge. Mm -hmm. They want the edge and they know it. It's in here. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to tell you something. It's not just here. It's also here. It's physically too. Because the mind-body connection is one. And if we can't see that, you know, we lose it. 94% of our serotonin is made in our stomach. Our feel-good hormone wow. is made in our stomach. And so we talk about the brain and our thinking and our edge and entrepreneurs miss the boat. They say, you know, I want the mental edge, but then they'll go out and have McDonald's and fries mm. and, and like a Diet Coke. I'm like, that's not helping you. If you really want the edge, you've got to take yourself and train yourself like an athlete does. Mm. Like mind and body getting congruent for the performance. And I consider every day a performance. How do you show up in your performance? There are days where you're off, days you're covering, and days when you're performing. But you've got to be able to dance inside of both of that. So hope that mm. helps. That helps a lot for sure. I want, I want to take a step back actually when you were talking about yourself where you were falsifying to yourself. And I know one of the things you teach is cut the BS. Yeah. And um, can we talk a little bit about that too? Because I feel like I've noticed in my own life actually, just I didn't tell you this beforehand, but I want to say in the last probably two or three months, I realized that there was areas in my life where I, I became aware. I was actually consciously lying or unconsciously lying to myself about these things that I really did want to change and pretending they weren't as bad as they were. Um, so again, can you expand on that idea of cutting the BS? Yeah, cut the BS is, you know, it's, it's an acronym. It's, we started that maybe five, six years ago. Now everyone and their mother has that acronym. They're like, you know, cut the BS, cut the BS. Well, the truth is, is that every story we tell ourselves is BS. <laughs> it's all BS. Even the good ones are BS. Not the negative ones. Even the good ones are BS. We falsify the, ourselves to f be better than we are. And we, we, patronize ourselves to make ourselves feel better when we're worse. But they're all BS because really they're just stories we make up in our head. Mm. And so a buddy of mine, he caught me in one of my programs 
And I have a, an intensity to me that helps me get people to break through. And I get results because of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was sitting there and I told the person, I said, you know, stop, stop the nonsense. You're lying to yourself. Cut the BS and let's move forward with this. Let's get real inside of this. So cutting the BS was the rewiring process when I get intense, right? I, get, I call people to the carpet and I call it, here it is, objectively. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing, right? Personal development for the most part, and I'm going to probably piss some people off when I say this, personal development for the most part is a feel-good industry. Mm-hmm. Make me feel better. That's not the industry I'm in, but that's the industry I get lumped in. But because that's not what I really do. I'm not interested in making people feel better. I'm interested in making them become grateful. Because when they become grateful, by default, they feel Hmm. better. Hmm. Right? And great gratitude is actually the, the state that allows you to heal. And so really, I'm still a doctor, but I help people connect the mind body so that they can actually heal their journey of the past so they can feel better for where they are. But most personal development is like, here's how do I get better? How how do I achieve more success? Right. It's not really the premise of what I do, but it's a byproduct because when you appreciate yourself and you connect the mind body, then success and fulfillment show up congruently. And and when you say gratitude is the state to allow you to heal, what do you mean by that? So gratitude is as Bill Gove, Steve's mentor and my mentor used to say that, um, you know, gratitude is the aristocrat of all emotions. Mm. True gratitude is where you have perfect balance in the brain and the mind. And when Hmm. you have that, and you have true balance in the brain, you have nothing but gratitude. And the only thing that I've ever noticed anyone say is thank you. Is thank you for the entire experience. And you have balanced in your nervous system. Because your whole brain and your whole expression, all these things that we sit and say are happy and sad, they're all neurochemicals. Mm -hmm. They're all neurochemicals. Mm -hmm. But... Gratitude is the healing state that allows the neurochemistry to become in balance. And then when you balance that out, then you actually get gratitude around it. And you don't stay stuck in there. And the nervous system is balanced and heals. That's why I, I get cases from, you know, I don't walk around saying I cure anything by any means. Mm-hmm. I had a TikTok video the other day that went viral and had almost a million views. And I said, diabetes is not a disease. And oh my God, people were so victimized. I said, what about type one? What, you're an idiot. They start calling me all these names behind it, right? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't talking about type one. It was a video that I did in one of my seminars that got cut off and it said diabetes is not a disease. So, and then they explained why. Mm-hmm. But I was in that whole thing, I was talking about type two. Mm-hmm. Type one is classified as a disease. But if we look at things from a different paradigm and, and we'll translate this to success, why is it that we create diseases and illnesses? The body is wiser than we are. And mm. why do we create these things that function normally? Right? If you put too much sugar or too much insulin into your system, your body is going to create this thing called diabetes. It's not abnormal. It's a normal thing that's been labeled that. Okay? And watch. I'm going to bring this back to success in just a second. And, and, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's a normal process that happens in our system. We've got a paradigm in our, in our mind and our body and our society that says that diabetes is a disease, so I need help from the outside to heal myself. Mm-hmm. But what if the power to heal is actually on the inside? What if the power to heal is actually within you and you can actually change and reverse it? And that's what I found to be true. And so in that same case, we walk around on the personal development side and our psychology side and say, you know what? We have these limiting beliefs. Well, why would we create a belief that's limiting if it wasn't there to serve us? It has to serve us. 
in the same way that diabetes and increased sugars is there serving us, telling us, hey, look, you've got too much sugar in the blood. Mm. You got to lower it. In the same way, if we look at a limiting belief, that's also got to serve us. And when we understand that the brain is not built on happiness or abundance or success, right. it's built on survival, survival then we yeah. realize there's a different paradigm to this equation. And then you look at it and say, well, you know what? Why did I create that belief? Why did I create this disease? Why did I create this illness? Why did I create this? Was it to sabotage myself or was it actually to create survival for myself? And the answer neurologically is for survival, not sabotage. Wow. That's fascinating. And then we view it as, because we may not be getting the success we want, we view it as sabotage, but in reality, it's just. It's polarized. It's a delusion. It really is a delusion. Right. And that's why I say that much of the industry, many people are under a delusion. And I get chastised because I'm telling people the truth of the brain and the people want to hear the other side of it. And I get it, right? It feels good. Mm -hmm. since it's not my fault. It's not my fault this is happening. Mm -hmm. I'm a victim to it. Mm -hmm. But look, we are all here to get empowered. And if you're to be empowered, that means you have to take 100% responsibility. For not sure. 50%. 100% responsibility for who you are, what you do, the decisions you make, and the outcomes you create. Then and only then, for all aspects of life, then and only then do you actually have empowerment. If not, we have a victimized world. Yeah. 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 I remember listening to Brian Tracy years and years and years ago. I know you've spoken with him too yeah. um, on stage, but uh, he talked about the two things that changed his life. One was uh, goal setting, but the, the first one was taking 100% responsibility. And that made an impact on me. The, the psychology of uh, winning, I think, was a program. Anyways, it doesn't matter. 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Um, so good, <laughs> man. Uh, I want to talk about this idea because I know this is what you're teaching right now too, but really when we were talking before recording too, really, you're, I, I think part of your mission is helping people lead inspired lives. And I think that everybody listening wants to be more in love with their life. And I think that, you know, the more we, if we're chasing anything, it's not for the, it's not the money, it's not the car, it's not the house. It's the feeling we think that if I have these things, it's actually going to bring, which ultimately for, I think all of us is inspiration, right? I'm, I'm waking up feeling inspired and in love with life. So as you teach some of those ideas, what maybe one or two things, I don't want you to give everything. People should get connected with your work, but what's one or two things people can implement into their life to ignite some of that flame now, not some made up day in the future. Sure. I can give you a lot to that. And this is what I do. But let me, let me take a step back, if that's okay with you, Ben. I'm Please. just trying to give you some context to the term inspiration. Inspiration is not a, it's a feeling, but it's not the one that most people like to, it's not the way that I look at it. Okay. Um, to live an inspired life, it means you get up in the morning and you love to live your life. Mm. And you get, you're excited about it. You're thrilled about it. And you don't feel fatigued and tired. You actually move forward for it. I use this term inspiring, not from a standpoint of, you know, just feeling good, right? Someone who climbs a mountain with, you know, one lung as someone I, I know, a friend of mine, like that's, that's amazing. That's mm -hmm. inspiring in the way that he did it. That's not what I mean. Mm. What I mean by inspiring, inspiring, the term means to bring more oxygen into your body. It means that you're actually putting oxygen in life blood into your body. That's inspiring. Mm. It's your breath. You're taking breath in inside. Mm. Of it. So when you're inspired, you have a neurochemical response and a, it causes your bronchioles and your alveoli to expand. Versus when you're in a motivated state, you are actually in an expired state and your nervous system and your bronchioles are contracted. 
So you get less oxygen into your system. So when I say that the mind-body connection is real, it's 100% real. And I've spent the last 35 years of my life studying mm. it to making to understanding it. So when we look at our lungs and we look at inspiration, we're bringing oxygen in. That's more life advancement, right? Not necessarily just a feeling inside of it. So when the work that I do is about helping people heal, which is an acronym that I just use, that means helping energy align with love. That's all I'm mm. doing, right? Helping energy align with love. I don't help anybody cure any diseases. I don't help anyone reverse any diseases. I help people heal and heal their journey. And I'll put the right environment together and people heal. Mind, body, business. That's why I work with entrepreneurs who want to heal. That's really mm -hmm. what I do. Mm -hmm. And C-level executives and athletes and all that stuff. But so when someone is inspired, they get up in the morning and they're excited to go face the day. Mm -hmm. They're ready for it. They mm -hmm. want it. They jump out of bed and they say, another day I get to do this. This is exciting. And believe it or not, it's true. People live there. And I train people to live there. And I've created an entire science, a process to do this. But the, one of the most important things I can tell you to first do in the first thing in the morning, right? Everyone's heard, I see Robin's book, The 5, 5 a.m. Club. It's mm -hmm. a great book. I think it's mm -hmm. fantastic. But I have a very differing opinion than mm -hmm. what most people will tell you in the first thing you do when you get up in the morning. First thing in the morning you should do is not exercise, not meditate, not read, not visualize not any of that crap. Hmm. The first thing you get up in the morning do is the thing that you love to do the most. Hmm. The thing you love to do the most. So that means if you love to read, then go read. If wow. you love to play the piano, then go play the piano. If you love to go duck hunting, then go duck hunting, <laughs> crying out loud, right? Yeah. Do what you love to do first thing in the morning, and make sure you do that first. Because what's going to happen is this. Wow. Is your serotonin levels are going to go up. Your dopamine levels are going to go up. Your neurochemistry is going to feel great right off the top. And then you're going to start moving. And you're going to feel like your energy is thriving. And you're actually going to start getting inspiration and oxygen into your system, which is going to wake you up and bring your alertness alive, which is move your brain from your amygdala to your prefrontal cortex. And your whole system is going to start functioning and getting online. And the energy that you'll rock with is more than anything you've ever forced yourself to do, wow. ever. Then, you feel like exercising? Go exercise. You feel like meditating? Go meditate. If you like reading? Go read. Do what it is after that. But you must mm -hmm. start the day with the thing you love to do the most. You know, I'm fortunate enough in my life, and I think you maybe, and you're moving to that path at least, mm -hmm. is that I get to do what I love to do every single day. Mm -hmm. I love to teach. My highest value is a teacher. I'm a speaker and a teacher mm. by far. I love mm -hmm. to learn. I'm a student, just mm -hmm. like all of you are probably watching this. I'm a student. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a businessman. Mm -hmm. I love my businesses. I'm a dad and my family. Like That's who I am. And money is number five. Money mm -hmm. is not my number one priority, nor will it ever be, nor do I want it to be. Mm -hmm. But it's number five on my list because I understand its value. Mm -hmm. But I love to teach. I will teach all day long. You could probably tell from this interview, this energy is not manufactured. There's no coffee. There's no caffeine. Mm -hmm. There's no five-hour energy. This is real, <laughs> authentic energy. And this is after yeah. traveling for an entire week. Wow. And, and if you have that energy, it's because you love to do something. You don't have to falsify it. Right. Right? Today, we have all this falsified. You need sugars and caffeine and all this crap to get your body to work. You don't. Mm. Focus on what you love to do first thing in the morning and then do that. Second thing you want to do in the morning is this, is you don't want to do your positive affirmations. Cut that crap out because you can only, when you set a positive affirmation, you set yourself up for a delusion and a fantasy that can't be met during the day. Hmm. You want to set yourself up objectively to be real and you want to look at what challenges are you going to face today 
And how am I going to face them? How am I going to navigate them? Mm. Prepare yourself for the challenges, not the delusion of the positivity in the dopamine spike. When you prepare for the challenges, you're much more grounded. I'll tell you something that most people don't realize about wealth. It's not the people who do positive affirmations that are the wealthiest. Mm. It's the ones that are the most risk averse that are the wealthiest. Hmm. So what, if you go study, go study the psychology of these people. And I have. Mm-hmm. People that are the most positive, that's great. It sounds fantastic. But those, are the one, those aren't the ones with the most money. The ones with the most money are the most calculated, the most risk averse mm. inside of it. They're willing to take a risk. I'm not saying they're not, but they're risk averse. They look at it, they're calculated, and they say no far more than they say yes. Hmm. They say no far more than they say yes. I'll give you a little tip that I think you'll value. I was hanging out with a billionaire on this boat in uh, July. Mm-hmm. And I asked him the question that I think anyone would ask, right? Let me ask you, Ben, what would you ask a billionaire if you had one question to ask him? Whew. That's a great question. I've never even thought of that. Uh, <laughs> one question only. I don't know, probably something like, how, how'd you get there? How do you get there? <laughs> okay, that, that's a good question. Yeah. I had the opportunity to ask those. And then I was picking his brain. Yeah. And he said, then uh, I said, what books do you read? Mm. He said, I hate this question. He said, because everybody thinks that billionaires read all these books. He goes, here's the truth. He goes, billionaires are too busy making money. They don't have time to read books. Wow. And I said, that's damn good. Because what they do is they find the people who've written great books and they go buy them for the day. Wow. And they learn everything that they taught in that book and they learn it in a day and they apply it to themselves and they get the information, they move on. Wow. And I'm like, oh my God, that was pure gold. Pure gold. <laughs> I never even would have thought about it that way, right? Because everyone's like you, right? Like you got to read books. You got to read all these totally. books. I love yeah. reading too. Yeah. But is that the answer? So, I, I, you know, I've been around this industry for 25 years now and I've questioned everything with scrupulous cert, uh, cert scientific curiosity to mm. say, why, 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 why? And I started realizing it. Look, I, I'm not a billionaire by any means. I'm not even a, a hundred millionaire by any means. Mm. But I don't have time to read the same way that I used to. Hmm. Too busy running companies, too busy building, too busy doing what it is I love to do. I love to read. I take time every day to read. Don't get me wrong. Hmm. But before I used to read six, seven hours a day, hmm. I get a couple hours in now. I'm, I'm thrilled. Which is still huge. I mean, <laughs> still huge, I think. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's amazing. I, I love what you talk about. I've, a lot of people talk about morning routine, myself included on that. I have never in everything that I've read... All, the, all the, the programs I've been to, I've never heard somebody say that. Do the thing you love the most first thing in the morning. And so I got to tell you, I had one of the best mornings. I was up. My daughter woke me up early this morning, 4.30. And um, I'm laying in bed. I thought, I'm just going to get up. And my favorite thing to do is to meditate. That's my favorite thing cool. first thing in the morning. So I got up and did it. And I literally had one of the best mornings I've ever had. And I had no idea of what you just talked about on... <laughs> That's what you do. I mean, that, that's how it works, right? Like, I love to work out. I don't mm. miss workout days, mm. right? Even my recovery days are workout days, just lighter workouts. Right. <laughs> like, I love working out. That's what I do. And, I, and like, I get up in the morning. And here's the other thing I'm going to tell you. Everyone says you got to get up so early, mm. right? That's crap. Mm. That's complete crap. How are you supposed to get up at 4 a.m. and still to build a business and get your rest? And you need six hours. They say six hours of sleep. 
will shorten your lifespan by 10 years. Mm. So are you supposed to sleep or are you supposed to, right? It's confusing. Totally, yeah. Let your body sleep mm. because you need your neurochemistry to balance out. Sleep seven to eight hours. Mm -hmm. Sleep seven to eight hours. Wake up to the circadian rhythm. When the sun comes up and your body wakes up, then wake up. Throw away the alarm clock and let your body naturally do what it needs to do. Hmm. Right? And when you do that, then you allow the system to actually process and get real with where it's at. And then you get up and you move towards what it is you want. But if you love to meditate first thing, meditate. If you love to just, you know, sit and knit, then mm. knit. Mm. Doesn't matter what it is. Most people won't, they'll sit and say, I love to do this, but they'll never take the time in their day to do it. Hmm. And before you know it, they'll turn 60, 70, 80 years old and say, ah, you know, I loved playing the piano back in the day. Yeah, I loved it. I haven't played in so many years. Why not? What's the point of living if you can't do the things that you love? Totally. Fast yeah. backwards. Yeah. Why, why do you think that is? Why do you think what you just said, why do you think people put off living so much of what they really do love in their lives? Because they're, they're stuck in the amygdala brain. They're mm -hmm. stuck in the amygdala consciousness of survival, mm -hmm. right? And it, they're in a constant need for survival. They haven't planned, organized themselves for a longer term of greater growth. They haven't, mm -hmm. they haven't set themselves up in that fashion. What they've done is they've set themselves up short windows. They haven't saved money. They don't do what they love to do. Mm -hmm. Work is becomes arduous. And so here's the thing about money, right? If you have guilt and shame around money, you're going to give away your money. If you have resentment around money, you're going to stop bringing in money. So they have mm -hmm. all these emotions around money and the growth around money that they don't actually see themselves growing and evolving. What they do is that they stay stuck and they are now desperate. And they're exhausted and their cortisol levels in their body are sky high totally. and their fat is sky high. And they're right. looking at their system and saying, why am I not performing? I want to do better. And we know you do. However, you've just made the wrong choice in your life thinking that, Doing something else for money was going to be the answer. Then mm -hmm. we all have to do things for money in the beginning. I'm not saying no. That's why I'm saying, you know what? Before you can get to the point of doing what it is you love 90% of the time or 100% of the time, right. at least do it in the morning. Right. At least get up. If you love to speak, right? Like you, you're, you're going to be a speaker, Ben, and I love that, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you're doing these podcasts. It's great. Mm -hmm. But if I were you and you love to speak, I'd get up at 4 a.m. or whenever you get up. The first mm -hmm. thing you do is do a Facebook Live video and teach and speak. Mm. Just start there. Right. Everyone's looking for the perfect place to be. And when I get there, then I'll start. When I'll get there, I'll start. Start now. Yeah. Start building it in. Larry Wilson is a mentor that you, you've heard that name through Steve many times for over, sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Larry and I, I had the, a brief opportunity to meet Barry and speak, or Larry and speak with him. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, I said, Larry, I want to I speak. I want to help. I want to teach. He's like, then start speaking. <laughs> I was like, but what about, he's like, then just start speaking. Now, this is 10, 12 years ago, and it's true. Just start speaking. Wow. We have all these facets. We have these stupid phones, and you can speak to the world like that yeah. instantly. And that's what we've got to do. That's what we've got to navigate. The quicker we do that, the more we're going to create opportunity for ourselves. Amazing. That's so amazing. Just start on taking those steps, whatever you want to do. And the amygdala brain, so that's uh, that's kind of like you're living in a survival state all the time, basically, yeah? Correct. Yeah, yeah. And I think from what I understand, too, I mean, the two would go hand in hand. If I'm living in survival all the time, I'm naturally cortisol, more stress levels. But also, too, if I'm kind of stressing myself out, I'm probably living more in that that brain, too. Yeah? 100%. Yeah. 
That's why people set, who set goals never actually, they're, they're always high stressed. Right. You don't want to set goals. You want to set standards. Mm. Goals are something you chase for a one-time fleeting achievement. Standards mm. is the way that you live. Wow. I don't, I'm not a proponent of setting goals ever. Hmm. I was. Created yeah. delusions around it. Yeah. I'm into creating standards. What is my standard of living? What is my standard income? What is my standard business? What are my standards for my company? What are my standards for my team? We just had a whole team meeting on this today. Hmm. What are your standards? What are, my, what are the standards of the company? Can you meet the standards? If not, then you don't belong in the company. What are my standards? My standards, I'm going to work out five days a week. I'm going to muscle train four days a week at least. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do high-intensity cardio at least once. Mm -hmm. and two, you know, two long-term walks or two 30-minute mm -hmm. walks mm -hmm. at an incline. Like that's, but I don't, if I don't do two the, uh, the incline walks, I'm okay with that. My standard is five days though. Standard, yeah. My standard is five days. I will not miss five days ever. <laughs> but if I feel like it, I'll go walk and I'll get six and seven in. Yeah. So when, when you talk about that, not setting goals to your, say, I have a standard for income. So you would, let's say you're making whatever X, somebody's making a hundred grand and they say, I got a goal to make a quarter million. What you're saying, no, 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 is raise the standard to where a quarter million is the standard. I, Correct. is that what you're saying? Yeah. Correct. Because if you set a goal for 250,000, you right. know it and I know it. You may hit it once and then you're going to walk. Water's going to, water's going to, uh, what's it saying? The saying, the water's going to seek its own level. Hmm. So you'll hit it once, right? Think, oh, look at me, I made it. And mm -hmm. then what people will say is you get down to 150 grand. That hundred grand, that's your sabotage factor. Mm. No, BS. You were only worth 150 grand. That's what you believed you were. You will never outgrow the identity of who you mm -hmm. are. And your identity is your identity. So if your identity is 150,000, then that's where you're gonna be. You mm. may hit this once, but then you'll judge yourself. And I'll call, I call that the sabotage factor of a hundred grand mm -hmm. inside of that. But that then you're going to judge yourself, beat yourself up. And problem is, is you won't actually get there, which increases your cortisol, increases your amygdala brain, stops you from ever being authentic to yourself. And you'll get angry, frustrated and people that you're with, the business you're in and everyone around you. Wow. They'll never outgrow your identity. Yeah. So I guess all of what we're talking about is really the process of how do I raise that identity? How do I raise? Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't know. You have to raise your identity. How do you just be your identity? Right. Hmm. You don't want to raise it. Like you don't, you want to raise your standards, but you want to be your identity. Hmm. Interesting. Like my identity is my identity. Now, if I want to raise my standards, you do that, you grow, you evolve, you, you do that. But my identity is my identity. My identity is I'm a speaker and I'm a teacher and I'm, Understood. I'm a healer. I'm, I'm a dad. I'm, that's what I right. do. That, that's, that's my identity. Yeah, it's so interesting. You get to do it at higher levels. Yeah, yeah. I, I was even thinking to myself, and as I used to think up until right now, the context of identity is, you know, well, I earn X amount of dollars or whatever it might be. But really what we're talking about again is that's like a standard that I've developed versus the identity of who I am. I'll give you an example for like coming from like your world and your business, right? Sure. People that set income goals are always going to chase success. Hmm. It's always going to chase success because it's, that's, that's something from the external factor that you don't really have control over. You really don't have control on the income. What you have control on are the drivers that move you towards your income. So when you set the standards for yourself, let's say you set yourself a standard for yourself that you'd have to do a hundred calls a day. Hmm. 
And that's just what you do. If you do 100 calls a day, it's going to get you to a point of, you know, 1,000 calls or 300 calls, uh, 3,000 calls a month. Mm. And that's going to get you to closing percentage. It's going to get you to a certain percentage. Great. Now, you can factor that. You can manipulate that by changing your closing percentage mm-hmm. or your call number. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how you manipulate that. For, mm-hmm. And I'm being very generic. I understand that. Right. I'm completely being generic. I understand. Yeah. That. But at the same token, if the standard is 100, then that's what you do. No matter what, you get the 100 calls in. But today you get 80, and tomorrow you get 120. The day after that you get 40. The day after that you get 170. Is that, mm-hmm. That's not a standard. There's no mm-hmm. consistency. Mm-hmm. See, the brain is seeking patterns hmm. and stabilizing patterns. So if you set itself that here's my stabilizing pattern, here's what I'm going to do, and then increase it by 10%, you'll have growth. Because that mm. standard is eventually going to stabilize. And when it stabilizes, it needs now a new challenge. Most people are going to set a challenge where they want to go, you know, 2x or 3x it that the brain and body can't handle. What mm. it will grow to, it'll manage is 10% of that. Mm. So if you go from 100, you know, can I make 110? You probably do 110. Okay, great. But if I said to you, can you do 125? That's probably going to seem like a big jump. Hmm. Take it on a 10% increment and raise the standards every quarter and watch your life change. Wow. It reminds me of something I, was, I had heard recently, the idea of um, where rather than trying to figure out what, what can I do on my best day, what size can I do my best day, but instead raise what's your lowest day, which is ultimately the standard, right? Of, sure. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. So good, man. So good. Um, I know we got tons more we could talk about. Tons more. I hope to maybe have another chat with you sometime. Sure. Um, first things first, where can people connect with you? Where do they find more of you? Get more involved in your work? Yeah, absolutely. You can, anywhere on social. I mean, we're just, you know, doctor.rewire is my handle. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, okay. doctor.rewire. You can go to my website, drrewire.com. Um, go to chasingsuccessbook.com, whatever is easier for you. Okay. Awesome. We'll get that out to everybody as well. So good. Um, and if you, if you want, you know what I'll do for your your listeners is mm. I normally don't do this, but um, but if you guys want, we have a thing going on right now. If people want to sign up, I don't know when this is going to go out or whatever, but mm. if they want to sign up, you can from this documentary, you can go to drtgift.com. And what I do is I have a financial rewire course. Oh, cool! And what it'll do is help rewire their money, their mind, money story, and it has coaching and everything. And I and I gift you the first two months of that for free. Wow. $497 a month. I just give that to you for free. That's amazing. Awesome. We'll get that out to everybody. Thank you for that. I know everyone's going to appreciate that. Thank you so much. So I know we're coming to an end of our time together today. Out of everything that we've covered, we covered a lot today, lots of different areas. Um, I know people are listening and think I got to go back and listen again and listen again. (laughs) But if, as we walk away from today, what's, what's the one or two things you want people walking away thinking coming out of this? Yeah. Learn to think the way that you do. Mm. Stop falsifying yourself to think like others. You are, you are one of one. Have the courage and the audacity to be one of one. Mm. Don't talk about it. Let your actions live it. Don't be afraid to stand on the shoulders of the giants that have come before you so that you can actually be yourself. Wow. Be who you are. Steve was my mentor. Bill Gove was my mentor. Bob Proctor was my mentor. But I've stood on the shoulders of these guys right. to stand up to who I am today. And I am grateful for every one of them. Steve and I are great friends. We're having dinner next month and we hang out all the time. But he's a mentor of mine. I've stood on the shoulders of my mentors and Steve Mm. did the same and every one of us did the same. Mm. And so have the audacity to stand on the shoulders mentor because the greatest gift to a mentor 
is your success. So wow. that only comes when you're authentic. Amazing. Amazing. Dr. Alok, thank you so much. This is truly, truly incredible. Even for me personally, I have to tell you, uh, we wouldn't, I couldn't have known this beforehand, but everything that you're talking about is so on point for shifts I'm making in my life right now. And I just, I love it. Okay, everybody. Awesome. Hey, make sure you share the episode. Tag Dr. Alok, Dr. Rewire on all the social platforms. Tag me with it. 